0: But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you and pray for those who abuse you. To one who strikes you on the cheek, offer the other also. And from one who takes away your cloak, do not withhold your tunic either. Give to everyone who begs from you. And from one who takes away your goods, do not demand them back. And as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. And you will be sons of the Most High, for he is kind to the ungrateful and the evil. Be merciful, even as your Father is merciful. Judge not, and you will not be judged. Condemn not, and you will not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will be put into your lap. For with the measure you use it will be measured back to you.
1: Lord Jesus, as we hear these words from your gospel that may seem so familiar on one hand, and may seem totally impossible on the other hand, um, I pray that we could hear them as an invitation into a way of living, into a way of blessing and abundance, a way of life where we can be children of the most high God and be kind as you are kind and merciful as you are merciful. And Lord, I pray that the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart would be pleasing to you, my rock and my redeemer. Amen. So we have these famous words in the gospel of Luke that run in parallel to what we call the Sermon on the Mount. And these are in Jesus's Sermon on the Plain. They're like the kid brother that everybody forgets to the Sermon on the Mount. They're very similar to what Jesus says in the Sermon on the Mount, but they come here, I think, in a, distilled and intensified form and when we hear these words and when the church has heard these words for the last 2,000 years um, they've been hard words to hear love your enemies and we've come up with all kinds of ways to say that Jesus doesn't really mean it (laughs) we say that well this is just for life in the church it doesn't have anything to do with life out in the world Uh, These are just a vision of a future kingdom that's totally in the future, doesn't have anything to do with now. Or it's just, you know, he's a rabbi, he likes hyperbole. There's no way he means it. That we're supposed to love our enemies. That we're supposed to bless those who persecute us. And one reason that we want to guard ourselves from these words is because they they demand so much of us. And let's acknowledge that from the beginning. Um, That's the other way that we've sort of backed away from these words is that they're just meant to crush us as a law so that we respond to the mercy of God. And there's, there's some truth to that and there's some truth to these other dynamics as well. But I want you to hear Jesus's invitation in these words, the invitation to abundance, the invitation to blessing, because they come on the heels of his discussion and his declaration of who is blessed in his kingdom. And that's what Dave preached about last week, that the kingdom of God is a kingdom of blessing And that there's an unexpected quality to who is blessed, the poor, the hungry, those who weep now. And if you'll remember a few weeks ago, we talked about Jesus's first sermon in his hometown synagogue, where he read the passage from Isaiah and said, these words are today declared in your hearing. Good news to the poor. Captives set free the year of the Lord's favor. One way to read these declarations of blessing is they are parallel to that fulfillment that Jesus brings the fulfillment of those words, blessing to the poor, freedom to the captives, light to those in darkness by declaring his blessing over them. So Jesus invites us to walk this path of love and he says, I say to you who hear, love your enemies, do good those hate you. Is this possible? Can we live in this way? I wanna read you some words um, that I came across in a video, and you may have seen this video. It, it it happened somewhat locally. There was a police officer who shot in Mesquite, Officer Richard Houston, on December 3rd of 2021. And his 16-year-old daughter gave his eulogy. And like any eulogy, it was mostly about him. But in the middle of it, she talks about the man who killed her father. Can you imagine being a 16-year-old and having to stand up and summarize your relationship with your father. But she says these astonishing words. Listen to what she says. It's not that I didn't want some justice to be served, but my heart always ached for those who don't know Jesus. I was always told that I would feel differently if it happened to me, but it's happened to my own father and I think I feel the same. Yes, there's been anger, sadness, grief, and confusion. And part of me wishes that I could despise the man who did this to my father, but I can't get any part of my heart to hate him. All that I can find is myself hoping and praying for this man to truly know Jesus. I thought this might change if the man continued to live, but when I heard the news that he was in stable condition, part of me was relieved. My prayer is that someday down the road, I'd get to spend time with the man who shot my father. Not to scream at him, not to yell at him, not to scold him, but to simply tell him about Jesus. Unbelievable. And yet, at the very heart of what Jesus says, his followers are meant to be like, the way of love that he invites us into. And what's so powerful about these words is that these words are transformative. What she speaks it changes our expectation of the way that the world works. Our expectation of the way that the world works is an eye for an eye. You hit me, I hit you back. In fact, we want to go beyond eye for an eye. (laughs) Eye for an eye is actually meant to cool things down. We want to say, you hit me, I'm going to hit you back harder. That creates a cycle of retribution. That's when things go wrong. When there's rupture, we want to enter into a cycle of retribution until the person that hurt us is gone. And Jesus says, that's not the way of my followers. He speaks first to a virtuous cycle, the way that the world usually works, before there's rupture, before there's violence. And it's simple reciprocity. You give to me, I give to you. You scratch my back, I'll scratch your back. You loan to me, I'll loan to you. You pay me back, I'll pay you back. But Jesus says, don't call that love. (laughs) That's just the way the world works. And it's a good thing that the world works that way most of the time. That's how economies work. That's how cultures are built. That virtuous cycle of back and forth, the world needs to run that way. But Jesus cuts through all of that and says, sinners do the same. Don't think that that's love in the way that I'm talking about. Yes, the way of reciprocity is the way of the world, but I'm I'm talking about the way of the kingdom. There is nothing special about the way of the world. You can find it in every culture and every time and place. You scratch my back, you scratch your back. That's, That's just in every culture. Some version of that is in every culture on its most basic level, that's just a neighbor loving a neighbor. But Jesus is calling us into loving the enemy. To see our enemy actually as our neighbor. So there's a virtuous cycle of reciprocity, but there's also a vicious cycle of retribution. You hit me, I'm gonna hit you back even further, harder. That's where family feuds emerge from. And it just goes on generation to generation to generation. How is the cycle broken? How does that cycle, that vicious cycle of retribution get broken? There's a Christian ethicist who's written a lot about the Sermon on the Mount, Glenn Stassen, he, te- he used to teach it at Fuller. He has this phrase, and if you get anything out of the sermon, I want you to take this phrase with you, transforming initiative. That the way that the cycle of retribution is broken is by transforming initiative is responding in a different way than what's expected. That's what turning the other cheek is. It's an initiative that we take on our side to say, I'm not going to perpetuate the cycle. I'm going to break the cycle. I'm going to transform it. In fact, he has a whole way of reading the Sermon on the Mount and the Sermon on the Plain through this lens of transforming initiative. He has a book called Living the Sermon on the Mount. And he comes to the conclusion that it is livable that it's not just an ideal, that it's not just something that's meant to crush us, to turn us to repentance, but it's actually the way of Jesus that he's inviting us into. Turn the other cheek, bless those who curse you, pray for your enemies. Those are all examples, Jesus's examples of transforming initiative, proactively stepping into a situation, not to escalate it, not to perpetuate it, but to break it, to break the cycle of violence and retribution. You're gonna hit me, I'm gonna turn the other cheek because I'm gonna show you in that action that your violence is not as powerful as you think it is. I'm going to pray for you because I'm going to show you that your hold on me is not as powerful as you think it is. Why would we do this? Why would we love our enemies? In this passage too, we have Jesus asking us to take an empathetic and imaginative leap when he says, as you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. Now we call this the golden rule. But some people want to upgrade the status of it and call it the platinum rule. <laughs> and then there's the silver rule. And the silver rule is don't do to people if you things that you wouldn't want them to do to you. That's stating it negatively. Stating it positively is do to people what you would want them to do to you. And this is even further because... That word wish has so much in it. As you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. That requires imagination. That requires me situating myself in someone else's position and saying, if I were in their shoes, how would I want them to respond to me? And guess what? We don't want people to hit us back. (laughs) We want mercy. We want understanding. We want people to meet us with love. So Jesus asks us to take this empathetic and imaginative leap. As you wish that others would do to you, do so to them. That's the platinum rule. I don't know if there's a metal above platinum, like titanium or something. Ironclad. Imagining from your own standpoint what it is you wish people would do for you and then doing that for others. That is a way of breaking this cycle. That is a way of engaging and transforming initiative, being proactive and leaning into a situation. Verses 35 and 36 frame all of this for us, why this matters. Love your enemies and do good. Lend expecting nothing in return and your reward will be great. For you will be sons, children of the Most High. For he is kind and ungrateful to the evil. Be merciful, even as your father is merciful. Jesus' entire vision of ethics, his entire way of thinking about the way of love and the kingdom is grounded in the character of God. Do this because this is what God is like. And when you do this, you will show the world what God is like. You will be children of God of the most high for he is kind. He is merciful. He is loving. He engages in transformative initiative with us all the time. He moves towards Adam in the garden and says, where are you? He comes to Abraham. He initiates. He sends his son into the world. That's transforming initiative. God is always initiating, always on the move, always moving towards us in love. And that sense of movement is so important here. I think it's important to remember sometimes that before this thing that we call Christianity was called Christianity, it was called the way. It's a way of being in the world. It's a way of walking. And Jesus's invitation to his first disciples is his invitation to us, follow me. I'm moving through the world in a particular way and I want to teach you how to move through the world in that way too. But here's the truth. That takes time. (laughs) It doesn't just happen like that. And that's why Joseph's story is so helpful to us in Genesis. Because we get the climax, we get the end of the story when he sees his brothers again, the ones who threw him in a pit and their choices were, do we kill him or we sell him as a slave? Great brothers, good guys. They settle on, let's not kill him. Let's just pretend like he got mauled by animals and sell him to slaves as a slave to Egypt. And Joseph's life is a series of ups and downs. It's a series of risings and fallings where he comes to understand who he really is and what God has asked him to do. And we see the culmination of this moment. His brothers stand before him and he has all the power. They have no idea who he is. He could unveil himself and drop the hammer. You want to know what it's like to be in a pit? I'll show you. I've got the keys to the prison. Did you hear? I'm second in charge in Egypt. (laughs) I can make your life miserable like you made my life miserable. Is that what Joseph does? No. He rejoices. He weeps because he sees his family Again, and he wants to know if his father is still alive and he's reframed his entire experience on the basis of the providence of God and says, this happened, this happened for a reason so that I could come before you in the midst of famine and prepare a place for you and my family where God might sustain you and fulfill his promise that he made to our great grandfather, Abraham. Joseph has completely reframed his own experience but it took time. I don't think he would have been able to do that a week after he was thrown in a pit by his brothers. It took the unfolding of his life and the ups and downs and God doing work in him for him to learn transforming initiative. He unveils himself to his brothers to say, I want to bless you. I want to fill your bags with grain. I want you to go and get our father. I want to prepare a place in Goshen for you, where you can ride out this famine and know that you're gonna be safe and know that you're gonna have food. Joseph walked this path of love. Jesus walked this path of love the way that he asked us to follow him. And it's important to remember that he asked us to follow him to a place that he's gone himself. That Jesus is not asking us to do anything that he didn't do. That Did Jesus turned the other cheek Did Jesus bless those who curse him? Did Jesus pray for his enemies? Did Jesus know that he would be betrayed? Did he know that one of his inner circle would kiss him to give him up? He knew something like that was going to happen. He knew that Peter, one of the three who were closest to him, would pretend like he didn't even know him. He knew that the rest of them would scatter. And he looks down from the cross and who's there? One disciple and his mom. Where are the rest of those jokers? (laughs) They're gone. And what does he say? Forgive them. Father, forgive them. I can't hold a place of hatred in my heart for them. Why? Because I am inviting them into the way of love because we have to imagine that there's a way to live beyond retribution a way to live beyond the cycle, the vicious cycle of you hit me, I'll hit you harder and it just keeps going. Or even to move beyond just the simple economics of reciprocity of the way that our world works. This costs this much, I'll pay it for you. Everything's transactional. Jesus is inviting us to a way of living beyond transaction. Now I do want to clarify everything that I'm saying is that what Jesus, Jesus is not, um, he is not saying that we should just be abused. So it's so important to remember that and that it's holy somehow to be abused, to suffer. It's not it. And we may not always be able to imagine in a moment what the transforming initiative is going to be. And that's another reason these words are so hard is because there are a lot of ugly and horrible things that come at us and come at people we love. And that's why I mentioned the Joseph story because it does take time sometimes. We're not always gonna know exactly in the moment what it is to turn the other cheek. But as Dave said and prayed, we're not alone. We're not following Jesus alone. We're on the way together to be a community of transforming initiative, to move towards the world in love with the expectation that as we pray for our enemies, as we bless those who persecute us, that God can break those cycles of vicious retribution. And it's all rooted in who God is. As Paul says in Romans 5, that while we were enemies of God, that's precisely when Christ died for us. The ethic of the kingdom is how do I view an enemy as a neighbor? And part of that is recognizing that we're all in the same boat, that left to our own devices, we're just gonna keep the cycle going. But Jesus invites us to an imaginative and empathetic way of living, to turn the other cheek, to bless those who persecute us, to pray for our enemies. And I just think of that 16-year-old girl standing up in front of all those people. And I would encourage you to watch the video. She says it, there's anger, there's sadness, there's grief, there's confusion. She's not saying that because she thinks she's supposed to say it. She's not saying that she wants to love this man because she thinks that's the right answer. And I think in her admission that there's anger, sadness, grief, and confusion, she knows it's not just an on-off switch, that she gets to decide one moment that she forgives the guy who shot her dad. It's gonna come back. Let's not pretend. <laughs> it will It will come back in her heart again. And she will have the opportunity, just as we have the opportunity to say, in this moment, will I step into transforming initiative? But let me say it again. This is not Jesus saying, this is not me saying, this is not St. Bart's saying that anybody has to stay in an abusive situation and that that's somehow holy. That's not what Jesus is talking about. So just want to say that again because that's another way that these words have been used, which is so unfortunate and wrong. But I want to get to that place of empathy. I want to get to that place of just deep imagination where I can put myself in someone else's shoes and say, how would I wish? How would I wish to be treated if I were there in their shoes? And that we could be a community of deep imagination and deep empathy that can put ourselves in the shoes of the other and say, this is how I'm going to love you. This is how I'm going to bless you. This is how I'm going to pray for you. If we truly are the poor who are blessed, if we truly are the hungry who are blessed, if we truly are those who weep who are blessed, then it means that anybody can be, that anybody can receive the abundance of the blessing of God that fills up to overflowing in our laps. And that's the image I wanna leave you with before I pray. Forgive and you will be forgiven. Give and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, we put into your lap. For with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. That is a vision beyond simple reciprocity. Inputs and outputs, you put this in, you get this out. He's saying, no, there's more. (laughs) There's abundance, there's blessing because I have everything and I can pour it out on you because I am the most high God and you are my beloved and blessed children. And that's our grounding place. That's the only way we can move forward and follow this way of love. So let's pray together. Lord, uh, these hard words are a challenge to us. And maybe we can think of situations in our own lives where we need uh, you to help us take that imaginative and empathetic leap where we need your help to see someone in in our own family, in our workplace, in our church environment, on the national scale, wherever it is, people that we can't even imagine. How to treat them, how to love them, Lord. We want your imagination. We want your empathy. And we want to remember, Lord, that we are your blessed and beloved children and that everything we do and the way that we walk comes from that fundamental and first reality. So we thank you, Lord, that you first loved us. We thank you, Lord, that you take and took and always take transforming initiative in moving towards us in love. And we pray that you would show us as a community, as individuals, what it is to move towards the world in love with transforming initiative. In Jesus' name, amen.